It's Happy Hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy Hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleans in a bar today, we're at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street where unfortunately the sign is behind me so I can't even see what it says. But they do yeah. have a three-hour happy hour here every day. I remember that from last That's time. That's accurate, yep. That's accurate? Yep, keep going. Uh, and the booze is half price. You got it. And so yeah. is the bar food. Yep. This bar is the fair. voice of... An- bar fair. Is what it says, God yeah. damn it, I'll have to do it again. This is Andrew Duhon, who's my uh, co-host and prompt on today's show. <laughs> Colby Fox is here as well. Hi, Colby. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you doing, more of the point? I'm very well. And Katie Braisted, whose name is pronounced like Wasted. That's it. How often do you have to tell people your name is Braisted like Wasted? Uh, I would say probably nine out of ten. Nine out of ten times. Yes. And just before we started, like Some one second ago. Some people are just ago. too embarrassed to even say it when they see the spelling. To say braced it. Mm-hmm. Why? I think they get the letters, like, twisted around, and then they're too embarrassed to say the word. What do you mean they get the letters twisted around? Are they, like, dyslexic? <laughs> I don't know, but... How do you spell it? B-R-A-S-T-E-D. Right. It looks like brasted. Brasted. That's what I Doesn't usually get. Brasted. Like blasted. <laughs> it's like this sort uh-huh. of uh, wrong pronunciation of blasted. Yes. Brasted. Very harsh. But where does it come from? What kind of a name is it? Scottish? I think it's Dutch. You think it's Dutch? Hmm. Who's from Holland originally? Um, my husband's family. Oh, it's your husband's, of course. You're a married person, so it's his name. Oh, I see. So what's your maiden name? Something that would be just really simple and everybody could say it. Keaton. Keaton, like Michael Keaton. Exactly. Or Buster Keaton. Everybody can spell it. Everybody can say it. You don't use it too much anymore. No. How long have you been married? Well, it's my middle name now. It is? Oh, you have a hyphenated? Yes. So you're Katie... Katie Keaton sounds pretty cool, actually, doesn't it? I know. I know. Yeah. I like that. Do you like that, Andrew? Yeah, Katie nice. Keaton. Mm-hmm. That's a good name for a character in something, like a comic book. That's true. So That's how what attracted Mr. Basted? Braced it. <laughs> Braced it. <laughs> you Based think it was a name that attracted him first? Why not? Well, if you really want to know how we met. Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, we met. We met in a psychiatric hospital, and we got married in a correctional facility. Wow. Well, and there's a story there. Uh-huh. There's got to be yeah, a story. Let's, let's, let's guess what it is. I would guess you are both patients in a psychiatric hospital. That would be the normal first guess. Yeah, but and what the truth is, you're not something dull like you were a doctor or something. You're a psychiatrist? Um, we were both in psychology, and I was doing a... I was employed running a unit in a state hospital, and he was doing his, uh, an internship. What? So you're older? No, we're the same age. What state hospital was this? This was in West Virginia. Hmm. Have you been to West Virginia? Colby Fox? Yeah, I've been to West Virginia. It's a good state. What is that? Someone's getting a phone call. It is. Who's calling you? Joe Toomey. Let's answer it. Put it on speaker and see what he wants. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, put a sure thing. You have to hold it up to the microphone so we can all hear it. Hello? Hey, Joe. I'm, I'm on a radio show, so... You're on speakerphone. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. What's up? Is this a bad time? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they wanted me to leave the phone on so they could just see who called. Can I tell you what I'm calling for? Yeah, it's up to you, Joe. Sure. Hold it up to the mic. It's up to you. Who's on the phone? Who's all here? It's Grant. Andrew and Colby. Katie, I just want to pass one thing along to you. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why I'm on a speakerphone. <laughs> oh, it's, we're doing a radio show, and I'm, I'm doing the radio show at the Wayfair uh, and Bye. hope to help promote our event coming up oh, on tell February them, 2nd. Tell them about the uh, half-price bar food. Can, can you just call me? I'm going to call you back. So, okay. Sounds good. I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> okay, Bye, Joe. Joe. See you, Joe. Bye. You could have told him about the half-price bar fare. 
Now we'll never know. Oh, and and you know, also there's half-price drinks. He'll figure it out. From three to six every day. And then there's a brunch on the weekends. Does he know about that? We did it. Joe Tooney? No, but I'll tell him that when I call him back. Yeah, okay. Let's call him back now. What's he calling about, do you think? Um, Something bad. It sounds serious, doesn't it? No, yeah. he's on our host committee for a fundraiser that we're doing that's coming up on February 2nd. Mm. Right. And so I called him earlier today to just I thank him that. for buying patron tickets. Oh, so. that's nice. So he's got some money, Joe Toomey. So I read about this thing. It says it's called the uh, Save Our Sponge concert. Exactly. It's on World Wetlands Day. World Wetland Day. We don't know anything about this yet, but we, maybe should we put in some sort of... Well, let's get back to how you met your husband first, and then we'll talk about sponges. Yep. What do you think? Sounds yes. Otherwise, we're never going to get that. Sorry. So you're studying psychology in West Virginia. Right. I was running a, a unit. And running like, a unit? What does that mean, running a unit? <laughs> you know, running like a... Drunks? A section where, like, 30 people lived who were chronic psychiatric residents. What was wrong with them, basically? Um, primarily schizophrenia, and we were trying to, like, work with folks to try to get them back into the community. We don't want them back. We're going to keep them out there in West Virginia. What year was this? Oh, many years ago. That was uh, probably in 19, I don't know, 78, 79. Oh, yeah, Nurse Ratchet Yeah. So you were, what, how old then? Pretty young. Pretty young. When they were early 20s. Uh, yeah, early 20s. And they put 20s. you in charge of 30 crazy-ass people in a mental institution in West Virginia. And her husband. Now, he was only an intern. Right, he was just an intern. Which is like the load man on the totem pole, even in the crazy farm. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so what did you You were in charge of these, what did you say, 20 or 30 crazy people with schizophrenia? <laughs> and you were running the whole show then. Well, I mean, it was a large hospital, so I only had 30. There were probably 30. about... 600 in the wow. hospital at the time. Yeah. What did you have to do? Were you doing therapy or shooting them up with stuff or what? Uh, I did some therapy, uh, primarily working with the staff to work with the residents to teach them, you know, life skills in order to be able to get out and live in a group home, live in the community, mm-hmm. learn to solve problems. And um, one of the things we did, which probably is not favorable to a lot of people, but we took out caffeine <laughs> um, took it from out. the hospital. Out of the diet, out of people's diet? Yes. And, okay. And, um, Why would you think that would be unpopular with people listening? Everybody drinks coffee. Especially if you're nuts, I would think. Well, there'd be very little else. I'm sure they didn't have alcohol. There. It became the new trade. Coffee became the new trade. It's it. Mm. Look who's here. Chris it's Royal? Chris Royal himself. Chris Royal. Hey, Chris. Chris. How's it going? Sorry, I'm late. That's okay. Don't worry. We, we were Happy just talk- hour extends we for another hour. We were just talking hour. about schizophrenia. Hey, this is all fucked up here now. Like, how do we do that? That'll be all right. Chris, how, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear everything. You're good, okay. So come on in. What's up? Good to see you again. Good to see you. Okay, hang on. We'll just tighten that up. Ah. Okay, so you all, this is Chris Royal from Chris Royal and Dark Matter. What's up, dude? One of New Orleans' greatest saxophone players of all time. Correct. I wouldn't say that. But <laughs> Where you. have you been that you're so late? Uh, at home working on music. Okay, well, that's <laughs> forgivable. Hey, talking of home, are you still dating Kristen? Is that all going? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. Yes. She's one of our other favorites, Kristen right. Bradford. How is she? Yes. Did she tell, us, tell you to say hi to us? Yes. Oh, she did. Thank God. Otherwise, it would have been so insulting. <laughs> would you like a drink? Graham will get you a drink. Our fabulous um, producer, Graham DePonte, is open. Sure. What would you uh, like? Whiskey on the rocks. Jameson. Got it. Ah, good man. This is Colby Fox. How are you? And this is Katie Braisted, whose real name is Katie Key. Cool. When she was single, but she married this guy in 1978 or something. What year did you get married? Uh, 81. 81. So you just got up to the bit, I'll fill you in. Katie was running a mental institution in West Virginia where she was in charge of 30 people who had schizophrenia and she was in her early 20s. Does that strike you as weird? Not weird, but a little scary. (laughs) I would say so. So did any of them recover and lead healthy lives today? Well, they well I didn't stay forever, but they did get out into the community. A lot of them got out in the community while so I was working there. So this guy who you met, this Mr. Braisted, what was his name? Bill. Bill. Bill Braisted. That's Bill a good Braisted. name, too. Bill Braisted Bill and Katie <laughs> And Katie Keith. That's got a lot of good ring to it. So he must have looked pretty attractive compared to all the crazy-ass people that you're... 
mixing. Since you spend all day mixing with people who are schizophrenic. You might be normal yourself, but that must rub off on you, doesn't it? Well, if you live in a town with only one stoplight, um, you know, you have to look for things to do for entertainment. What town was so it? So we became fishing buddies. That's how I met my husband. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Was he a good fisherman? Just to pass the we time? We did okay. Yeah. <laughs> how did it go from uh, baiting hooks to getting romantic? How do you make that move? The way, mm. Mm, I don't even Is know how good, that happened. <laughs> you don't remember? <laughs> That's going back a while. It is back a while. Right. And how's your own mental health now? I think it's great. Pretty good. Here, all right. Right? We, all, we all think it's great. Yeah. We all, we all think <laughs> it's great. I think the crazier you are, the probably the more normal you think. That's so right. see, did you say that before the show started that you mentioned that you were on television or something? Or did I mishear that? Oh, you were set. Well, you were saying, are you comfortable? And it's like, well, it's a lot more comfortable sitting here having a cocktail and a conversation than, you know, the anxiety with mm-hmm. being on TV. And worrying so, about your posture. Yeah, because we don't know what you look like. Oh, you're on Facebook Live. Though. That's true. Nobody, nobody's watching that, though. <laughs> no, nobody. <laughs> There's like three people watching it. So, um, oh, well, thanks for that. What show were you on? <laughs> um, what shows have I been on? I've been on... You know, the morning show and... Price is Right? No. (laughs) No. So so the reason that you're on these shows is you're the executive director of something called the Woodlands Conservancy. Did I pronounce that correctly? Conservancy, yes. What exactly is it? I can tell you a little bit about it myself. Uh, What is it? Where does it say that? Where does it say what it is? What it is, yeah. It was organized in 2001 as a non-profit land trust organization that has been working to preserve and restore some of the last... Intact forested wetlands in the greater New Orleans area. Sounds great. Did you know anything about that, Chris? Never heard of it. No, Colby, you know anything about that? Very little, but I'm glad it's happening. Yeah, who knew there was wetlands in New Orleans at all? Andrew, did you know you're an outdoors guy? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you head to New Orleans East, and you look, you can, you can yeah, find, you can find crocodile, crocodile, uh, alligator, uh, roadkill right on the road, to, like on your right, right on side down. Right. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. And that's, is that Orleans Parish still? Is that New Orleans? Yeah, yeah, Greater New, New Orleans, Orleans, yeah. Okay. And I grew up up, up there. You grew up in the east, Chris? Mm-hmm. What street are we on? Uh, right off a of bullet on the street called Branch. All right. Yeah. So that was an interesting part of the world back This is before Katrina you grew up there. Yeah, definitely. So what, what years was that? Uh, we moved from there like my senior year of high school, like 2004. So you were there. So what, it's the interesting thing about New Orleans East is that there was this New Orleans proper and then... Any white people who didn't want to live in Orleans Parish went and lived in Metairie, and any black people who had some money and didn't want to live in New Orleans moved to New Orleans East. Well, before that, actually, direction. when my parents lived, moved us out there, it was mostly white people, and then as I grew up, people began to move out to Slidell and Covington and stuff. Ah, uh, really? Yeah. So that was all white out there? Yeah, back I, in the I, 80s, it just kind of shifted. Huh, that's interesting. So you saw it change? You were there? Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. So why did white people leave there? Because there were too many black people showed up and they had to I mean, keep going? Or Everyone says schools. All right. you know, that's a major factor. I, I don't know. I don't understand wanting to drive that far across that bridge every day. Yeah, right. It doesn't make sense to me. No, no, no. Well, it was cheaper. Yeah, definitely. I guess. What do you mean to go to Slide Out? Well, New Orleans East is on this side of the bridge, though, right? right. This side of the Twin Spans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's not that bad. Is better than going across that bridge. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, everything's it's still traffic in the morning, though. We used to sit. I went to school up this way, actually, right up the street at McMain. It would take us about an hour wow. to get here. Jesus. So I can't imagine coming from across that bridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then your parents moved in 2004? Yeah, they moved to Lakeview. And then it's like a Lakeview. block from the, wow. uh, what is it, the 17th Street 17th Canal street. that broke? That's uh, a block from their house. Were they still there? Uh, yeah, that's, they rebuilt now, but when it happened, we had 15 feet of water. Yeah. So you weren't living there then, though? You no, I was in school. I was in Boston. Right. You went to Berkeley School of Music. Correct. I remember that. In Boston. Yeah. Hey. Totally different weather systems yeah. up there. Right. <laughs> and how's, it, how's everything going? Is Dark Matter still rocking along? Yeah, actually, we played last night at the Blue Nile. We just had a residency this month. We played every Tuesday. That's cool. Yeah. Releasing some new music this week. We just dropped a single last month also. Oh, really? Yeah. Do we have it here to play? Yeah, I have it right here on my phone, actually. All right. Okay. We have to give that to Thomas and we can take a listen to something. Cool. We got something lined up? Yeah, the song we're releasing this week is called Stepchildren. 
This features my friend uh, Nigel Hall on keyboards from Lettuce. Okay. Uh, let's see if I get this thing unlocked. All right. We could actually take a listen to that right now. What do you think? Sounds great. Absolutely. Katie? I'm going to hear it. Okay. And then, then we'd be really in good shape. Nobody will be down on me about anything. Because normally I, we somehow don't get around to playing music to, too late. And then well, whether or not people are down on you or not, I don't think you can judge just because you're playing a song early in the podcast. I think Apparently people want to hear the music. That is a thing. That's, yeah. that's, that's I don't I'm want positive. it to sit here for another 30 I'm minutes. I'm just being realistic, right? I'm with you. <laughs> normally we don't get around to it. We have, you know, well, like now, for example, I would like to know something about this Woodlands Conservancy. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah I want to know more about that. Where is it? Well, we're... We're on the West Bank. There's a, you know, the little peninsula that, the peninsula on the West Bank that no. is essentially, well, it looks like your thumb. Um, but the topper. I know, the top, LGS Point. Okay, well, go Anything further to, down. Go down General de Gaulle. Go over the right. Intercoastal Canal Bridge. Like Bayou Signet area? No, like if you're going to English Turn. Okay, the other way. Or going to Bell Chase. Mm-hmm. So you come to that peninsula which is formed like your thumb, and the top part, the northern part, is Orleans Parish, and the bottom part of that peninsula is Plaquemines Parish. So we've been, in that area, really sparsely developed, except for the, you know, the 400 acres of wetlands that were filled to create the golf course community. Um, That's English Chan you're talking about. Correct. Okay. So we've been trying to preserve what remaining forest and wetlands are left. Who's we? Woodlands Conservancy. Then who is that? You and who else? Um, we have a board of about 13 people right, right now, and I have a biologist on staff, and a I have a biologist. Yes, and a, a Vista person that I just got this year for the next three years. What is this guy? Is super drunk. <laughs> oh, yeah, when we got here, he was. Okay, he was... someone take that guy out. So, what do you what do you mean by a biologist <laughs> and a Vista person? What what do either of those people do? Well, uh, a biologist. Well, it's probably started at the beginning, but. Sure. Okay. Well, first I of this all. Was the well, right now we own 190 acres of forested wetlands in Orleans Parish, which is adjacent to English Turn, and we've been managing 630 acres in Plaquemines Parish which is called Woodlands Trail, has over 10 miles of trails, uh, hiking trails, equestrian trails. They lead to a grouping of World War II ammunition magazines. That uh-huh. sounds really what? cool. It's free and open to the public. Do you own it? I mean, is this public or private? Right? It is. Um, it's owned by Plaquemines Parish government right now, and we are in the process of trying to acquire that, that land to make it a permanent protection. We've been doing restoration work on the property since Katrina, um, and Shouldn't the government it. be taking care of taking care of the land? You know, <laughs> I think I think the government has so many jobs. Mm. <laughs> well, one of them uh, is protecting well, people who live here, though, isn't it? I think Chris has got a point. Yeah. I just I don't know. You hear about what's going on with the budgets, and I think they. Maybe that's not at the top of the list. Yeah. I mean, this seems more important than building a wall. Right. Which, you, you I would think. think. You would think. But that's a question, I Which guess, I when, you have, when you have a president who uh, likes the idea of the jobs created by making another English turn, loves golf courses, right. um, <laughs> and just, uh, you know, it decided to sign some executive orders that uh, had to do with loosening the, the elements of the EPA. So those all sound like things that your organization w- might be concerned about, you know. <laughs> Uh, so you know, this is on a very cellular level. It's it's here. It's it's your your tract of land. How can you? What can you do to defend yourself, so to speak, against you know the worst possible scenario? Well, I think what's ideal about it is that that we're a nonprofit land trust organization. So we own the property, mm-hmm. and so therefore we can be proactive. Yeah. So even when the government can't or let me say isn't being proactive we still can that's our mission yeah yeah um you're trying to save those these wetlands from being destroyed or being developed or what well Saving people what? don't really i don't think people realize that our the greatest wetland loss in 
has been in forested wetlands. And we've lost close to 75% of Louisiana's pre-settlement forested wetlands to development. Hmm. You, you mentioned, you know, New Orleans East earlier. There used to be like seven major tracts of forested wetlands in the greater New Orleans area. Um, Bayou Sauvage was one of them. Uh, there were some in St. Bernard. We read the study that was done like in 1980. Right now what is left is Jean Lafitte Park and the forested wetlands that we've been trying to acquire. Bayou Sauvage had significant saltwater intrusion and significantly destroyed a lot of that bottomland hardwood forest, which is forested wetlands. Um, and so what we are doing is important. It's important to be proactive because that is your natural well, sponge. But we've lost 75% of it, and we just why don't we just build on the other 25% and forget about it? <laughs> That's not good. Why not? Well, 75% of it's gone. It's not like we're going to save ourselves. I mean, it's supposed to be a buffer against hurricanes, right? Uh, a buffer and... 25% isn't going to do shit anymore, so why don't we just give up and put up houses and golf courses? Well, I guess my thought is it's, it's like your buffer right now. Experts say that with the current rate of wetland loss and relative sea level rise, those forested wetlands that we are trying to you know, continue to preserve and restore will be the largest forested, largest forested landmass between open water and the city of New Orleans in the next 35 to 50 years. Right. So That's the only thing that's going to save us from being destroyed by the next big tsunami or hurricane. Is that what you're saying? 25% can save us. I would put my bet on it. Would you? Well, I would put my bet on at least at reducing the amount or reducing... Prolonging the amount of time. Prolonging the amount of time. But we're getting pretty, we're getting pretty like focused now. That we'd have to be a hurricane would have to come on a specific angle, right? To hit that twenty-five, or is that not right? Uh, well, if you look at what Hurricane Katrina did, if it had gone a little further, more west, it may have had a different scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at the NOAA images from what the hurricane did to the properties we manage. I mean, it looks like pixie sticks. And is that good or bad? It is. I'm not sure what pixie sticks is. That's the thing. You don't remember pixie sticks? It's a good uh, candy. Do you know what pixie sticks? Come on. Yeah. What are they? You know, it's like little, little, little straws of sugar, flavored right? sugar. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. But you suck up. No, you just pour it into your mouth. Yeah. No, okay. No, Go no. crazy. No? No, it's not oh, that. Oh, the game. Not a pixie stick? The game pixie. That's the a pickup stick. Oh, pick-up 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 sticks. Pick-up sticks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Pickup sticks, right. Let the record state. <laughs> the pixie stick <laughs> is a sugary. Right. Pixie sticks is a thing, page. too, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm going to write that down right yeah, now. Yeah, pickup pick-up sticks. sticks. I get it, yeah. I see the image better, pickup sticks, yeah. Pixie sticks versus pickup sticks. Yeah. Okay. Important. I stand corrected. So you're saying that it was destroyed. So I'm saying it, it destroyed a lot of the canopy of the forest. But if you look at the West Bank, the damage from hurricanes in the West Bank, there was very little damage. Well, you because know, the hurricane didn't hit We the lost West our roof. We, you know, we had like $30,000 worth of damage in our house, but that was nothing compared to the rest of the city. Right. But didn't the West Bank get spared? I mean, if, as you said, if it had gone in a different direction, the West Bank would have got flattened and the Slater would have been fine. Well, it has to go somewhere. My, my question is, though, is it worth preserving the 25% of the wetlands that are left, given that it's all disappearing anyway, and 75% of it's already gone? Why don't we just put up, put up I, houses? Well, I mean, and, I think the big deal that I learned about in school was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the fact that we, we diverted the Mississippi River, which was the freshwater right. source that kept the, the, uh, the salt water from getting quite so right. far inland. And so... When you divert that to one pipeline that dumps straight into the uh, Gulf of Mexico, you end up with two things. One is that you have saltwater intrusion coming into the wetlands uh, as opposed to freshwater from the Mississippi. You also have all the sediment from the muddy Mississippi, and you can look out at the, from the French Quarter, look out in the river. It's a brown river by the time it gets down here. It's churning up all this, this mud and sediment that used to be dispersed over this wetland. Making new land. Right. right, and it's not that doing that the, anymore. That was the delta. Right. So yeah, um, I think so I think that's, we... that's that w- that had to be the beginning of the Definitely. end, and and uh, without that, how can we do anything per- but preserve a place like you're preserving 
for so a we little should, more than, than... We should go for it then. We should try and preserve it. Yeah, I think it's a refuge for wildlife would be a great reason, you know. Right. Uh, it's not... Yes, it's just not hurricane protection. Yeah. yeah. It's also... You can see, if you look at the NOAA images, uh, the radar images, you can see over 4,400 birds leaving there during migration. Um, hmm. So it's a, it's an amazing habitat for migratory birds and resident birds and wildlife. And now that we've lost some of our forested wetlands that are in Lower Plaquemines Parish, migratory birds, they have to go even further inland to refuel and have areas to stop off and, and rest and right. and eat. So I know the feeling. If Me we want to continue to have this kind of culture in Louisiana where we have uh, lots of wildlife and, and varieties of birds, we have over 163 bird species documented that use the forest that we manage. Mm. So if you're going to continue to have that... 163 species of birds right there, right where you're on the West Bank. Correct. 163. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Did you guys know that? No. Yeah. Sounds like a lot. That's impressive. Okay, so anyway, suppose we want to support this thing. What is a Save Our Sponge concert? The Save Our Sponge concert. The second, by the way. Is on coming up. Exactly. Next Thursday. Damn, okay. World's Wetlands Day. 2017, by the way, in case you listen to this after 2017, February the 2nd, (laughs) which there's a fair chance it could happen. Okay, so, <laughs> so it's you missed be it otherwise, yes. February 2nd, um, and it's going to be at the Jazz Market in New Orleans, and Jason Marsalis is playing for the patron party, Jason Marsalis Trio, and... What exactly is the Jazz Market? Is that the place on Aretha Kessel Haley Boulevard? Yeah, correct. Okay. And then uh, following that, Henry Butler is going to be in town, and he's going to do so two solo sets. Wow. Um, and oh, that's cool. And people should come, and you can get your tickets at Eventbrite. Okay, and how much is it? Uh, the tickets range from twenty-five dollars to one hundred twenty-five. Why would you want to pay one hundred twenty-five? Because you'd want to come to the patron party and have okay. that intimate Jason Marsalis trio experience. Oh, okay. And an open bar. And food by Merrill and complimentary oh, drinks that's what the talking. entire that's evening. Cool. That sounds like a fun yeah. night. Yeah. yeah. Chris, you, you played with Jason Marcellus, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I played with him a few times. Yeah? Is he a nice guy? Yeah. It's awesome. He knows so much. Who's not a nice guy? Yeah. Okay, who's not? Uh, <laughs> almost got me there. Do you ever play with guys who you don't like, actually? All the time. Really? I thought everybody in the music business was pretty cool to play with. They're all musicians by mm, definition. No. Nah. It's a good place for egos to just... Just cultivate themselves. Yeah. You always think on the other side of it as a non-musician that it's such a great gig that you could, if you could sit down there and play the you know the saxophone in your place or the case or the guitar in your case or whatever it is that you'd be so happy just do that for a lifetime mm. that you'd be a cool person. <laughs> yeah, if only it was that easy. Yeah. There are there are ambitions even for egos. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good place. For, mm. That's disappointing, isn't it? That's kind of ruined the hall. <laughs> I mean, cool, you know, cool it's not it that dark. It's just like any any other spectrum of life. people, you know. You you deal with people in any other business. I'm sure you yeah. have the people that you like and the people you don't. You know? Yeah, you always think that because if you have the special talent to be able to do something extraordinary like play music, mm. that you'd appreciate that and be humble and nice about it. It sends some people to the dark side. Hmm. Let's name some of them. Who are they? Um, Who's, what's the worst instrument for ego? Definitely trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me ask you this, Chris, okay. because you, you, you did the Berkeley thing, and you know you, you spent time in, in uh, clusters that were much bigger than New Orleans. Do you, feel like, do you feel like coming back to New Orleans, you maybe run into a pool of musicians where maybe people have kind of stuck around and maybe haven't seen as many other people doing the same thing so they don't get that chance for humility or is, was did Boston kind of feel like the same sort like of a, Kind of like a big fish in a small pond yeah, thing. Sort of, you know, yeah, that happens down here a little bit. Yeah. Cats who you know, uh-huh. have been there their whole life and right. you know been told their whole life that they're really, really, really awesome mm-hmm. think they're the best I'll come back home and I'm like, yo, there's other people around the world that are doing what you're doing. Right. That might be a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you shouldn't have such a big head about it. Sure. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with never being the best. You know, a comparison will 
you know, cause you stress and anxiety the rest of your life with that kind of thing. But yeah, fair to say that there's, I think what Grant's leading to, you know, the idea that if we compare ourselves to each other or, or like have a big head about it, you probably, probably don't make the best shit you could make in your life if you, you know, just kind of, I don't know, I, I could be wrong, maybe you do, but. It's funny that musicians are competitive. I guess it's not funny to you if you are musicians, but it seems yeah. funny to us, don't you think? You expect everyone just to be in this for the music. I think it can be elements of just, you know, a worry that your life's work, maybe you're not measuring up with everything mm. that you're putting into your passion, you know, and you're, I don't know what you think, Chris. I mean, no matter what your passion is, there's always a drive to be the best, you know, so mm-hmm. everything can be competitive, yeah. whether it should or not. I mean, I don't think music should be competitive, mm-hmm. but it definitely is, you know, sure. especially when you have things like awards and stuff, oh, yeah. and that gets oh, yeah. into mm-hmm. your head. Yeah. People are like, oh, you're the best of the beat. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I don't care about that, yeah. you know. Yeah. I did just you, want to be you, the best I can be. I, did you win the best of the beat award? Yeah, I won it last, when, when was that, Thursday was the best this of the week. beat award? Hey, yeah. congratulations. congratulations. That's Thank the only you. reason we invited you on the show, because you won best no. of the beat, otherwise you would have been nothing. I'm still nothing. That's exciting, I guess. Who is it? Is it a public vote or just mm-hmm. yeah? Just vote online. Just decides. Okay. Oh, cool. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That's cool. That's Every year cool. when yeah. I'm nominated, I like to make a point that I don't think I'm good enough because my teacher Donald Harrison is yeah. one of the baddest saxophone players on the right. planet, mm. and he still lives here. And there's other cats like Aaron Fletcher, Kid Jordan, and Wes Anderson that live here. That I look up to, so is it's Wes weird. An- is Wes Anderson living here at the moment? Yeah, yeah, he was. Oh, I thought he was living in Baton yeah. Rouge. He's here. Yeah, he's back here. I love him. I saw too. him play what Sunday. He was at Snug. He is great yeah. too. But you're monster. great as well. Let's face it. Just I mean, take a listen. Not to compared to those guys. You man. don't think those so? Well, let's monsters. be the judge of that, shall we? Yeah. What are we listening to? Uh, this song is Stepchildren, featuring Nigel Hall on keyboards, Chris Roy and Dark Matter. All right. Uh, we got to. We got to. We need the code. Who's parked their fancy uh, Mercedes outside here tonight? Not me. Is anybody we know? Not us.
All right. Yep. What do you think? It's a summer hit. That's great. Uh, that would be a great theme song. Awesome. In the middle of the winter. Wouldn't that be a great theme for, for Happy Hour? What's it, what, wouldn't it? Don't you think? What's that? That's, that's a, a great, great theme idea. for our show. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. What's, the name of the, what's the name of the record? Uh, the name of the record is going to be called, it's going to be Dark Matter 2. It's Dark the Matter, Dark Matter okay. album. But the name of the song is Stepchildren. Stepchildren. Is it out yet? Uh, this song is coming out on Friday. The album's coming out later this year. Okay. Wow. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Nice job. I love that. Hey, um, is it is it about something? Did you write that about something in particular? Actually, I did. Uh, there's this famous jazz club in Boston called Wally's, and I used to play there three nights a week. Uh, a lot of bands came out of there. Uh, you've heard of Lettuce mm-hmm. and Soul Live. Well, they came out of that band. Right. And the Tuesday night squad was like that was like funk night. And they called the band Wally's Stepchildren because compared to the jazz cats, they kind of treated them like stepchildren. Right. Or it might be because everybody sat on the steps and smoked weed on break. I don't know. <laughs> but me and Nigel both came through this school. We call it the school of Wally's because a lot of people go up to Boston for Berkeley, but you really learn a lot hanging out at this club. Yeah. So I wrote this song about stepchildren, cool. the nice. Tuesday nice. night funk night at Wally's. Hey, cool. That's a great little song, all right. Thanks, man. Very cool. Hey, um, I'm going to tell you about a couple of things, and then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make Colby tell us a story. Because Colby Fox is here. I'm here. And we, we got him, we hit, Colby sent us an email. Yeah. Which is, uh, Graham DuPonte, our producer, got this email. And it's, uh, it, it made us realize that we're not completely wasting our time doing this show. Yeah, you think, You'd think the show is a complete and utter total waste of time, wouldn't you, Katie? No. Except maybe two or three people are listening and heard about the urban... What's it called? Not the urban conservancy. Woodlands Conservancy. Wetlands Conservancy. Woodlands. Woodlands. You got it. Say, let's try it again. Woodlands Conservancy. Wet Woodlands. And and where is that under on on the internet? Woodlands Conservancy dot something or other? Org. Org. Woodlands Conservancy. Okay, first of all, I'm going to tell you about Basic Swimming Gym. Do you guys know anything about that? Mm Mm-mm. Well, if you want to go there, it's a store on Magazine Street where you can get a full range of fashion swimsuits, workout and yoga clothes with style, including bikinis, one-piece cover-ups. You'd like a cover-up, wouldn't you, Katie? have plenty, but you, have you plenty? can always have always more. You always need another cover-up. In fact, everything you need for the beach and poolside is at Basics Swim and Gym. It's right next to the lingerie store, Basics Underneath, on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue. And thank you also to Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product that's medically proven to prevent a hangover, if you go to the Hangover Destroyer website, it's called hdestroyer.com, and you write the words happy hour in the coupon code, you'll get 30% off of your first order of Hangover Destroyer, and you too can seize the dawn. Are you a big party, Katie? With your schizophrenic drugs, can you still get a hold of, <laughs> you still get a hold of any of those, by the way? Uh, what, hangovers or well, schizophrenic dr- people? Drugs that are intended for schizophrenics. Uh, no. You don't know anyone that can write a prescription anymore. What do they take for schizophrenics exactly? Actually, in my day, Thorazine was the big thing. That sounds good. Sounds heavy. Remember, like, you know, what were some of those shows we watched? In the- Marcus Welby? No, I wasn't thinking of Marcus Welby. He was on Thorazine, that's for sure. I don't know. What is Thorazine? Uh, it's an antipsychotic. And you can't get it anymore? Oh, I'm sure you can still get so it. So what would happen if you took that and you weren't more And you didn't need it? Yeah. Mm. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, it would probably be sedating. Okay. okay. Ah, okay. Well, that's what we're going to do after the show. Ah, no, thank gonna, you. We're all going to take one. <laughs> I'm going back to the studio. You can have fun with that. You don't want to, <laughs> do you want us to all come back and do some Thorazine and mm-hmm. hang out? I bet I could play drums if I took Thorazine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Play something real yeah. slow. <laughs> <laughs> Everything will be a trap beat. Did you did you try doing these drugs, Katie, when you were... No, no. Didn't make you do that as part of your training? Well, I couldn't prescribe because you, my background was in psychology, not psychiatry, so I was not the prescriber. Hmm, I think it would be good to try I was this. like the non-medicine, promoted about, non-medical ways. What about, what about LSD? Didn't they used to give that to crazy-ass people? Microdoses, yeah. Still do, that, I think, so. I think that was before. That was be even before hurt. my time. Mm. Mm. LSD was before you. I don't. Know as hard as that, that, really? Maybe for you to believe. Ah. Did you ever try that? Um, no. 
Yeah, I think that's yes. the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just checking. Anyway, so, so, so Colby wrote this email to Graham. I don't know whether to tell the story or make you tell it. You should tell it, really. You soon. tell the part you like. I like all of it. It's a very that's interesting... That's some underlined right there. You clearly like some of it. Um, well, I like the, everything about... You're living in Destin. That's the most interesting part about it to me. Yeah, I grew up in Crestview, Florida, and Destin's right beneath that. So how lucky can you get? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to live in Destin. Destin's a cool place to... Um, it has pros and cons. A lot of traffic in the mm-hmm. summertime, and then it turns right. into a ghost town in the wintertime. And what were your parents doing living in Destin? Uh, my dad was the ROTC teacher at the high school where I went. Wow. Um, but that was in Crestview. That was um, in Crestview, which uh, yeah. is just on sort of east. You keep going. Uh, just north. Just no, keep going. It, oh, it's actually inland. Yeah, it's, it's right on I-10. Oh, okay. I-10 cuts right through. Oh, so you didn't even grow up on the beach, necessarily. Not, not, no, but like once you get a driver's license and you live in Crestview, then you live in Destin because you're, right. you're not in Crestview for the, the, the inland suburb of Destin should be called Destiny. Destiny. They have wow. a, they have like a Destiny. division called Destiny. <laughs> yeah. There's Destiny by the Sea? Destiny by the Sea, yeah. Right. Huh. So you're growing up there on the beach, which I think must be pretty cool. Wouldn't you guys think? Isn't that all our dream? To grow it's, nice. pretty, it was, it's, cool. it's a good place to grow up because you got the beach, but you also have all of Eglin Reservation right there. So you got a lot of woods to run mm-hmm. through. Right. Um, it was a good place to grow up. All right. So That's we get to, so you grew up there and you went to school. Did I you, went to school. Did and you go off to college somewhere? I went to the university. No, not the university. It was Okaloosa Walton Community College. I did a couple unsuccessful semesters there, and I joined That's, the Navy. What do you mean unsuccessful? You weren't smart enough to pass community college in Florida? Mm, no. Holy shit. <laughs> no. Were you no. worried about your own mental abilities at that point? That's why I joined the Navy, yeah. Wow. I uh, joined the Navy. I was a helicopter mechanic in the Navy. That's pretty scary. The guy wasn't smart enough to pass community college in Florida, yeah. but been having repaired the helicopters for the, for the military. Yeah. Well, they were, they were a lot like me. <laughs> But that must be actually hard work, I was thinking, detailed and exact. It's pretty tricky, yeah, and I lost a lot of sleep thinking, like, did I put everything back the way it was supposed to go? (laughs) Did I... Did I kill those guys who were taken off in the Osprey? Nobody died. Nobody died. So you can't be as dopey as you thought, then? No. So what was the reason you didn't pass community college? You're not a good test taker or something? I just, I got in that mode. Like, my dad taught at my high school, so for four years, everybody's able to skip school, and I'm not able to skip school. So I you're started not going. You're supposed to skip school. You're supposed to go to school. You're, to get su- an you're supposed to go to school. I'm looking back on it, but you can't tell an 18, 19 year old kid. Well, you shouldn't still be in school at 19, dude. That's a bad sign, right? No, but I mean, that's when I was going to the community college. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But, but you had, so you got a real education in high school because you didn't skip. Um, yeah. So, well, so you, oh, I see what you're getting at. You weren't really paying attention by the time you got to community college. Yeah. You were just goofing off. I was goofing off a lot, yeah. Were you doing a lot of drugs? No. Thorazine. No, Thorazine? No, we didn't what? have Thorazine in Crestview. No, that would no. be hard to get, probably. Had a lot of Give mushrooms, them. because there's a lot of cows. Oh, so you could go pick mushrooms. Well, I didn't, but a lot of people did. What did you do? I was a good kid. Why didn't you pass? I wasn't that good of a kid. I, <laughs> I passed high school. Just, yeah, but were you goofing off and just not going to class? And not in high school. I was goofing no, 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 off in no, community in, college. In community college. That's yeah. what I mean. No, you passed high school fine. Yeah. So if you'd applied yourself, you would have been able to get through community college. I definitely would have. Yeah, you're sounding like my dad. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> Okaloosa Community College, it doesn't sound that difficult. No, I don't think it was very difficult. A lot well, of people what? get through it. Yeah, I would think. So, but yeah. were you concerned that you were pretty stupid at this I point? Would, no, no, not what at all. I just wanted to go somewhere else. I wanted to get out of Crestview. So where did you get to? Where, so when I joined the Navy, they sent me to Japan. Oh, I lived in Japan for three years. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then San Diego, and then the Arabian Gulf, and then I got out of the Navy. I'm not sure what the Arabian Gulf is, but it sounds great. What does it look like? It's flat. It's is flat. it like Saudi Arabia? Like, it's over there, um, yeah. Like, where Dubai is. Yeah, that yeah, sounds we went good. Yeah, Dubai and... What do you do all day exactly when you're in the Arabian Gulf? Not a lot. 12 hours on, 12 hours off, fix helicopters while you're awake, try to sleep when you're not at work. That's it. That's it for six months. Okay. Do you make a lot of money? Yeah, you make a lot of money because working on an aircraft carrier, you get they pay you extra for being in a dangerous job position, <laughs> being nice. in a combat zone. They pay you more on top of that, and they don't tax any of it. 
That's nice. pretty cool. So, That's how much did good. you make in six months? Would you I say? mean, not a, not enough that I not enough that you want to do it for another six months. No, I want to do it again. So, how much is it? Like fifty grand, a hundred grand, or what? I think when I came back from sea, I had like between five and six thousand dollars. <laughs> just kind of that's it. Five well, or that's, six thousand dollars. That's it. But I wasn't making a lot because I was Chris a lower makes it on a night guy. selling Thorazine outside. Well, Chris earns it. <laughs> um, okay, so you get so you finish that. So you finish the military. Yeah, I got out of the military with um, five thousand bucks. Yeah. That's a sad situation right there. With no education now, you have no skills because you flunked out of community college. Yeah. And all you can do is fix helicopters. Right. Which is a limited... Actually, That's a pretty that would be skill. a pretty... I would think that would be a pretty good skill, and I'm going to revise that and go with It Chris just wasn't for me because, like again, it was really stressful thinking about if I did everything right. A helicopter is just a million pieces of metal trying yeah. to pull themselves apart from one another. But don't you get confident after a while? You've done it for a couple of I years. I never did. You didn't. So you're a very sort of a sensitive kind of person. I'm kind of sensitive. You're sort of a warrior? A, war- a warrior? Warrior. Yeah, yeah. I thought you said a warrior. A warrior. Well, yeah. well you were a warrior, actually. You were in the military. Mm-hmm. I was kind of both. A warrior. A warrior, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of so both. So it's not a good place for a person who's sort of nervous. No. The military, especially no. fixing... Big pieces of very expensive things that right. What attracted you to it in the first? Or did they tell you that's what you were going to do? No, I wanted to do it because I wanted to travel around, and um, I. This was about 2001, so I assumed we were going to war, and I didn't want to go to war, like on the ground. Like if people were going to be shooting, I wanted to be on a boat. Well, take, <laughs> smart. Take us back to 2001. Who were we fighting? We were just about right to go after, to war with... Right after 9-11? Yeah, we were just about to go after Saddam Hussein, and we were looking at Afghanistan mm. and mm. whoever else crossed our path. And had you just joined the military at this point? No, no, no. I joined after 9-11. After all that happened? Yeah. I was so you inspired. must have known what you... You were inspired by yeah. death and carnage, too. Well, not the death and carnage, but the whole patriotic fervor that the whole really? country was wrapped up in. Yeah. Wow, the flag. Remember the whole flag the thing? The flag and the pies and baseball. Yeah. You the couldn't Patriots even... won the Super Bowl that year. That's they fun. did. You couldn't even buy an American flag anywhere in the country because everybody was bought. Yeah. Everybody was buying that the flag. That was quite an time. era. Now you, now you have the opposite problem. Yep. <laughs> that is... That is pretty unbelievable. So you were a patriot. How old were you at this point? Uh, 2000. I was 20, yeah. So you're 20. You didn't have anything else going on. Nope. And America needed defending. I did So it. you thought, damn it, I'm going to do it. And your dad was an ROTC teacher, so I guess you had some sort of military kind of background. Kind of, yeah. He was in the Army. So when I joined the Navy, he said oh, he'd rather awesome. have, what did he say? He said he'd rather have a daughter in a cat house than a son in the Navy. Oh, right. I have to write that down. <laughs> Did he make that up or is that... I guess he made it up. He makes a lot of stuff. I like that. I'd rather have a daughter in the cat house than a son in the Navy. Yeah. I like that he still used the word cat house. That's a brothel, right? Yeah, I think so. I guess. Oh, wow. I put that together, but I'd never heard that before. I think that must have been an old World War II type. I think like it's that. a John Wayne thing. My dad watches a lot of John yeah. Wayne. Ah. I'd rather have a daughter in the cat house than a son in the Navy. I'm going to have to use that for something. Maybe he just made that up just for you. Do you think he Maybe he did. Maybe he was yeah. inspired because he was yeah. so angry. Mm. Is no, he ashamed? He, no, no, no. He got on board with it, too, when the war started. That, you know, instead of, he, he had he been in Vietnam. He had been in Vietnam. He had been in Vietnam, so he kind of knew what was going to go on, and he was relieved that I was in relative safety. So you decided that the best thing to do would be on a boat? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Why did you come to that conclusion? Well, people were shooting each other everywhere else. Right. I didn't want to do that. So what did you want to do exactly? I really wanted to go in to be a journalist. And when <laughs> I went and talked to the recruiters, I said, I want, to do a, I want to be a journalist in the military, like in Full Metal Jacket, or <laughs> nothing else. And they said, what about a helicopter mechanic? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Like, <laughs> no, I'll do that. That was easy. Yeah. Okay. That was an easy sell. <laughs> did you? Th- what did you think would happen if you were a journalist? You think you've got the constitution for that? You know, like you have like the uh, the romanticized ideas of it that you're going to be like the guy in Full Metal Jacket or some you know beat reporter running around taking pictures in war zones. But well, I thought you didn't want to be around a bullet. I did. I was a conflicted twenty year old. <laughs> but the journalist that I met while I was in the Navy hated life because they're just writing morale fluff pieces. Uh, The ones that I met. I'm sure there's some doing serious stuff. I see. If you're a journalist for the New York Times or 
the Wall Street Those Journal. Those guys get the cool story. Yeah, I Everybody see. else has to write about the cat show at the Wimes Club or something. Right. <laughs> So then the Navy has their own journalists. Like the whole military has and, their own journalists. Okay, where does that stuff go? That's like press releases. Uh, press releases, some of it, yeah. The Navy has its own newspaper. Each base has their own newspaper. Okay, so we're running out of time. Can you All believe right. this running out of time here? So this is not even part of the story that we got no, in here. I, I can tell this is a tangent. <laughs> story. I don't even, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we have to go a little bit longer. Okay, so anyway, so you come back from the war. You came back from the ship. From the ship, yeah. Not being in war. Right. Well, you were in a war zone. Yeah. And you're living at Destin again. I was living in Destin again. I was bouncing around a couple of places. I, I lived in Boston for a little while. I lived in Quincy and Alston and a couple of places. And then, um, and then I was back in Destin, and I was just going through like a, like, a, like a difficult time like people go through. And I was sleeping on one of my friend's couches, and I was thinking like I wanted to get out of Destin because I didn't have any money. And I decided... I'm either going, I have to go somewhere that I can get to on one tank of gas. So it was either New Orleans or Tallahassee, which now in retrospect, no decision. Like that's, it's a no-brainer. But I had friends in both places. Um, so I had just discovered Stitcher, and I was listening to a lot of podcasts, and I decided I'll listen to a podcast about each place. So Tallahassee didn't have any kind of lifestyle podcast at that point. But I found you guys through, or I found the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast, and all of the It's New Orleans programs. And I liked Happy Hour best, and I just really liked this show. Like, I liked how, what did I say in that email? That ordinary, or what sounded like extraordinary people were just ordinary New Orleanians. Right. And I, I, I've definitely found that to be the case. Listen to this. This is what you wrote. On nights when I couldn't sleep, which were many back then, I would charge up my phone and walk down the beach an episode in one direction, and then turn around and listen to another episode on my way home. I like listening to Grant and Andrew talk to people who seemed as though they were ordinary, New Orleanians, but from what I was hearing, sounded like extraordinary people. Yeah. I decided that I wanted to come live in a city that seemed to be so full of character. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> How about that? Isn't that great that we think we're just making these stupid shows, you know, and no one's yeah. listening, or, you know, a few people listening here and there, but it actually changed someone's life. Yeah. Pretty interesting. And you're looking right at him. There yeah. he is. Yeah. Nice. That's pretty cool, isn't it, don't you think? So someone could be listening to this show, Chris, and decide to shoot themselves. I hope they don't. Because there's no hope. Don't do it. There's no hope. <laughs> <laughs> 25% of the forest is left. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's a pretty... Ins I, when we read this and Graham sent me this email, I'm like, my goodness, that's incredible that actually you can, you can have these dopey conversations in a bar in New Orleans and actually affect somebody in a positive way. Well, what does mm -hmm. that tell you about Destin? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think Destin's I awesome. I love Destin. Yeah, me too. Yeah, walks on the beach to listen to podcasts. I'd be know? happy to live in Destin. But if you grow up somewhere, of course. Right. People say that to me about New Zealand. Oh, my God, I'd love to live in New Zealand. I'm like, oh, you really? Yeah. <laughs> Give yeah. it a shot sometime. Right. Nothing against anyone who happens to be listening to this show, of course, in New Zealand, but it's not for everybody. Right. <laughs> I guess Destin's the same. I mean, it's, most of us would love to move to the beach, right? Chris, wouldn't you? I love the beach. I actually Me go too. to Destin probably about three or four times a summer. My friend oh. has a studio out there. Nice. You know Donnie? Donnie, Donnie Sundell? I don't Buku think. Groove? Don't we, think so. we need There's to find out more about him, seeing he has yeah, a place in Destin. You should have Donnie on. Okay. Come on, we man. let us stay in his place in Destin. We gotta That's get him. We gotta get his nice spot. We're in his place in Destin. Let's get to Destin. Let's do a podcast from there. We can yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, we should. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll and we can a, go it's stay at your place. It's a place to visit, but like, think about the minutiae, like going grocery shopping or having to go to the bank. Grocery shopping, go to Publix. Yeah, you can go to Publix and get a great thing. Cuban sandwich from Publix. Yeah. Yeah. Publix is a fucking bomb. Ready made, grab and go. I love Publix now. Me too. <laughs> Don't you love Publix? No, I can't. But in the Can middle of to win Dixie to or? go there in the middle of summer, you know, like just oh, to do your regular saying, everyday yeah. running around stuff, Everybody you're looking coming. at like yeah. an hour and forty five minutes added to your routine. Just it is totally much rough. At Highway ninety eight yeah. is the yeah. worst. I'll give yeah. you that. But that's all because all people from New Orleans and Nashville mm -hmm. and everywhere are going on vacation. But yeah. it's only for two or three months a year. No, it's for a lot of the year. Is it really? Yeah, from spring break to like late August, late October, because people who don't have kids are the ones who flood the beaches after school starts. Mm. You said the word flood like it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. What about if you move to like Highway 38, like along between Seaside and Brayton Even Beach? Even that is like really congested. I worked at uh, a place in Seaside um, over by Budden Alley's 
And like, you'd have to incorporate all this extra time to drive around looking for a parking spot. Yeah. Do they have an Uber out there now? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I think they do. Yeah. They do. They have Uber and Destin. Okay. Andrew, why are you yawning? What's wrong? You tired? Oh, sorry. No, man. Stand up too late? No, I just had first beer of the day, so I'm just getting started. Ah, just yeah. Browsing. Winding up. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, well, how much time have we got here? Like none, basically. Holy shit. Hey, Katie, so what do we miss? What are, so, Colby, what are you doing in New Orleans now? How long have you been here? I've been here um, since 2013. Right, so five years. Five years. <coughs> that can't be right. Four. Well, four. Math is not four a strong now. point. Four now, not five years. I'm I can't believe that you agree with that, college. though. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've just I've bounced around. I've enjoyed you, the city. What have you been doing? What do you? Have I you, worked at the uh, House of Blues for a while. I actually saw Andrew at House of Blues one night in the Foundation Room. Oh yeah, all right. And um, you played a song that I really liked that I had heard on the podcast. The one of they don't make them anymore. Like oh they yeah. used to. I love that song. Thanks. Hey, you want to hear it right song? now? Yeah. What about it? We got time. Yeah. You? Well, all right. Hold on. Come on, man. This would be like a dream come true. It's a dream come true. This is funny that you heard Happy Hour and now you're on Happy. Hour. Now I'm on it. Now you can be an inspiration for other people. It's meta. It is. What's your favorite thing about New Orleans? Oh, man, the food. Hmm. The food is great. What about women? Women are great. I, I, have a, I have a girlfriend. Did you come with her or did you meet her here? I met her here. All right. How did you meet her? Tinder. Tinder. Yeah, awesome. the dating app Tinder. Yeah. We're a Tinder success story. We've been together for three years now. Wow. Yeah. That is a success Tinder's story. been out for three years. <laughs> That's a, how did you and Kristen meet? Oh, we went to high school together. You went to NOCA? Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. You've been together Actually, all that time? I am responsible for getting her kicked out of NOCA. I thought you were going to say something else, but... <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. You got At the time, out of the, what are the you disciplines about? were really... It was like, if you were in class school, you didn't do jazz. Yeah. So we had her come sing a jazz song with us for performance class, and her teachers kicked her out. Wow. Is that yeah. right? That's pretty narrow-minded. I would yeah, say. It's, it's different now, but back then... So that wasn't that long ago, though. Was it? Hang 2002. On. I guess that's quite a while now. Hang on a sec, Andrew. I'm just going to spin this around. Okay, so, Colby, tell us something about the song. Yeah, um, intro this for us. Yeah, the intro for this song. It's just about... Um, appreciating old things and things that have a soul and there's a line in it that I really liked that um, you take it apart and put it back together until you've done that it's not really yours hmm. like helicopters like helicopters I never owned a helicopter right oh well yeah it's called they don't make them like they used to go like this oh Mr. Joe's been fixing cars Long as I remember Fender to Fender Full engine overhaul His pride and joy is that old Buick Only time he'll ever use it Is to drive his wife to church and the grocery store Like they've done 30 years of Sundays before they don't make them like they used to anymore. Everything they know, they learn from the Second World War. Broken strings, broken hearts. Take them apart and put them back together. Drive your best girl around forever in an old skylock. They don't make them like they used to anymore Yeah, and I know Sal down at the music shop He's a modern-day Geppetto Instead of boys, he fixes cellos and my guitar They give a smile when I walk in Take a break and get to talking About the way things got to be the way they are They say just keep playing them old blues on that old guitar Cause they don't make them like they used to 
anymore Everything they know They learn from the second world War. Broken strings, broken hearts Take them apart and put them back together Drive your best girl around forever In an old skylock Cause they don't make them like they used to now Make them like they used to anymore Bad habits we fell into Trading old for brand new Till a man can't fix a damn thing anymore I gotta hand it to my dad and his before They don't make them like they used to Anymore Everything they know They learn from the second world war Broken strings Broken hearts Take them apart and put them back together Drive your best girl around forever In an old skylock Cause they don't make them like they used to now They don't make them like they used to now They don't make them like they used to anymore Thanks, Cheryl. Yeah. Whoa, very nice, Great. Andrew. Off the album, is that on the moorings? No, it'll be off the next one. Oh, it's on the new one coming up. Yeah, that doesn't ah. exist yet. Oh, well, okay. That we're still looking for a title for it. You got a good idea for a title, Colby? For I like Andrew's that long one that we were talking about earlier, the one that's too wordy. Mm. Yeah, what was it again? That was before we went on. Uh, something about if you get halfway there every day, you'll never make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's another that's good, a good encouraging. So, yeah. If every day you get halfway there, you'll never make it. That's a great bumper sticker. Did you make that up? Well, not the sentiment. I think a math teacher told me about it. <laughs> it's good, though, isn't it? Yeah. I, I like it when you talk, talk about, um, you know, a little bit every day is what, you know, creative folks, yeah, you know, yeah. people who are self-driven have to deal with the idea of let's be productive every day. But I also like the more cynical view. If you get halfway there every day, you'll never make it. <laughs> I like it, too. Maybe we'll call this show that. Maybe, hey, guys. We've come to the end of another uh, happy hour. Katie, thanks so much for joining us. Katie Braisted has been here, and if you want to go and check out the Woodlands Conservancy, is that right? That's right. I got that right without even looking. The Woodlands Conservancy, it's at woodlandsconservancy.org. And if you happen to listen to this before the 2nd of February 2017, you can go and support them at the uh, Jazz Playhouse in Aretha Castle Haley. New Orleans Jazz Market? At the right. New Jazz Market. That's a different one altogether, mm -hmm. but it's the same person. And, um, and <laughs> you can... Uh, you can help save the wetlands. And if, awesome. if we get saved from a hurricane, we can thank you for that. So right. th thanks in advance, because this year is going to be the worst hurricane season ever. Is that Hopefully right? not. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to completely destroy the city. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it won't. Or not. Or maybe it won't then. Okay. I think let's we said say, that let's say it won't. <laughs> no, this is going to be the best year. I think hurricane season's cancelled, actually, this year. Oh, sweet. Due yeah. to lack of interest. So yeah, don't cool. worry That's about that. It'll be fine. Colby Fox, thank you so much for that inspiring tale. I had such a great time. Thanks for having me. It's great to meet you, and we'll look forward to uh, keeping up with you, actually. I wonder what will happen next. I wonder what other podcast you'll listen to and we end up living some other way. One from Tallahassee. Yeah. That might yeah. pull you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's an opening there in Tallahassee for us to make a podcast, apparently. And Chris Royal from Chris Royal and Dark Matter has been here. Chris, thanks for joining us. If you haven't got our website up and you're just wondering how to go find Chris, it's spelled K-H-R-I-S, by the way. Chris Royal and Dark Matter. The album's coming out later in the year, and we mm -hmm. can find the earlier stuff, Chris Royal and Dark Matter 1, yep. up there on Spotify and all the other places you can steal music from. <laughs> so thanks very much for joining us. That was Happy Hour. I'm next week, you know, Peter Raschuti, oh, yeah. who's the host of, of Out to Lunch, is sitting in for me. That ought to be fun. And hosting Happy Hour. That should be yeah. pretty interesting, actually. Yeah. So make sure you come back for that next week. Our show this week is produced by Graham DePonte and Christian Unruh is our music director. Our music producer is Jean Van Valois and Thomas Walsh is our technical director. Our live feed directors are the fabulous Asher Griffith and Grayson Jernigan. Thanks for watching this on Facebook if you've been watching it. If you haven't, you can go back to our Facebook page, It's New Orleans, just It's New Orleans on our Facebook and you can see this whole thing live if you want to. 
Our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show and you can sit upright for approximately 60 minutes and uh, drink alcohol, drop us a line. Our address is on our website. It's neworleans.com where you can find tons of other happy hours to listen to as well as some other shows we make here. Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti who's going to be hosting Happy Hour next week. That's live from Commander's Palace, True to the Game, with Chris True, Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canada, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Chucker, Milo's Music Parlor with Kim Vu, the podcast about death, which is simply called Death the Podcast with psychologist Dr. Arian Alphant, and questions from the waiting room with psychiatrist Nick Pager. We have quite a lot of psychotype stuff on here, Katie. You should keep up with that. You can also find other great Louisiana podcasts at itsacadiana.com. And it's Baton Rouge.LA. You can keep up with us on Facebook, as I mentioned, on Twitter as well, and a bunch of other time-sucking social media. And all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Facebook page. Those photos are taken today by Catherine King. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, take a moment to stop and, subs- and uh, tell other people how to find us by rating and reviewing us. That does help other people find us. Thanks for subscribing to us if you listen to us on your favorite podcast app. Our show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street in Uptown New Orleans, where they have a three-hour happy hour every day. And brunch on the weekends. Happy hours of production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Andrew Duhon, everybody else around the table here at Wayfair and back at our office at INO Broadcasting. Thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. We'll see you back here next week on Happy Hour.